Hello and welcome to the Peter the Water Dog Saves the Planet Peace podcast. In the next few episodes, I will share audio chapters of book one of the Peter the Water Dog Saves the Planet book series titled One More Year. I hope you enjoy this story with a message to keep your stuff longer, even if it's just one more year, and in doing so, buy less stuff. Please enjoy chapters 31 through 35 of One More Year, Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet, Primer 1. Chapter 31, Levi Strauss & Co., 1984 USA Olympics Canvas Duffel Bag with Brass Buckles. Wow, this is cool, Kema says as they pull into Bant Village. Dramatic, rugged mountains tower behind the storybook town. Just a little ski resort in Canada, Graham jokes. It looks so fancy, like sandglass on Aspen, Tilly says looking out the window. Or on San Moritz, Graham adds. Does Ritz make you swim faster? Chemist asks with a bit of sass. Perhaps. It could be San Moritz, be a Ritz, putting on the Ritz, but Ritz my ass, they aren't as fast as Tilly. Graham laughs and nods in agreement. Well, it's stunning, Tilly says, feeling nervous for the first time. She asks quietly, I suppose we'll eventually find the lake. Yes, we will. Graham pulls into the hotel parking lot. Okay, girls, let's find our rooms. I want you to get rest tonight, no dancing. Yes, rest, Camus agrees with her best impression of a serious face. She crosses her fingers behind her back. We made it, Graham tells Liz on his cell phone, sitting on his hotel room bed next to his canvas duffel bag. Good luck, it's pouring rain here. That's not good. You just focus on the race, please. Rain pours on Lake Bijanes. Motored and sailboats come in off the lake and quickly tie up at the town marina. The boats rock from side to side in the lake's white caps. People walking down the street rush to find cover under whatever they can find, an umbrella, a magazine, a rain jacket hood. They race to take shelter in shops, restaurants, and cars. A very wet Pedro stands watch from the bow of Ike's boat. Ike ties down tarps over his doors and closes windows. Suerte scrambles into the cabin, soaking wet. Ike calls Pedro to follow him in. Rain pours at the logging site, and the earth is sopping wet, melting the small patches of leftover snow. The loggers have left a few covered pieces of logging equipment, which sits soaking in mud on the site in an open area of tree stumps. Frida stands outside of the house in the rain and stares into the forest. Bear leads her back inside. Chapter 32 Danner Mountain Cascade, 1991, recrafted hiking boots with red laces. Tilly walks down the street in Banff, wearing a one-more-year t-shirt over a long-sleeved cycling jersey, hiking shorts, hiking boots, and a small day pack. She passes by the majestic Banff Springs Hotel and through downtown Banff Village and is dismayed by the ostentatious displays of consumerism. Large SUVs and fancy sports cars 
Share the street with well-heeled men and women in designer sportswear, splendid shoes, and glinting sunglasses. Tilly steps into a small coffee house to buy a latte and a muffin. As she walks back to the hotel, a woman with short blonde hair in a designer blazer, polo shirt, leather tennis shoes, ball cap, and large dark sunglasses suddenly appears as if she's making a cameo appearance in a feature film. Nice t-shirt, the woman says. Thanks, Tilly smiles as she looks down at her shirt. I read the article about it. It made me think twice about buying a few things. Did you buy them? I did buy this suit jacket, but my assistant found it for me pre-owned. It's Dolce & Gabbana. Sweet. And the other thing? Well, I'm still thinking about it. It's a new car. Don't forget that the CO2 to make a new car just about equals the CO2 from the exhaust over its lifetime. Really? Is that true? Not completely. That Roadhog Jumbo SUV over there uses about four times more. Even an electric car? Until we stop making the batteries with coal, nearly. Thanks for the reminder. The woman pauses, thinking, then adds, It's Tilly, right? Yes. I'm Ellen. Good luck tomorrow, she says as she walks away and takes the hand of a beautiful woman with long blonde hair. As Tilly walks away, she hears someone behind her ask Ellen for her autograph. He asks a second time and a bit louder. Tilly feels a tap on her shoulder. Excuse me, can I get your autograph? She turns around, surprised. Sure. A young man hands her a pen and a vintage postcard with a picture of an alpine lake with a small cottage with a deck. Tilly starts to sign the back but stops to read the writing. Lake Agnes Tea House. That looks sweet. Is it still there? It sure is. It's a very popular hike not far out of town. Hmm, thanks. Is here okay to sign? Tilly asks. That'd be great. Good luck in the race. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Tilly walks back to the hotel where Graham and Camus are waiting. Camus's hips are moving to a song on her headphones. Good morning, sunshine. Let's talk about today, Graham says as Tilly approaches. Listen to this song. It's awesome, Camus says as she continues to dance, lost in the music. She hands Tilly one of the earbuds to listen. It's cool, Tilly says, dancing. Graham is not amused. Tilly sees his stern face. She pulls out the earbud and straightens up. Okay, I'm listening now. A lot of people are exploring the course. I don't think you need to do that. You'll be able to see the course by following the others tomorrow. Today, I just want you to explore. You can walk around. You can bike or run or swim. My only request, if approved by Camus, is that you limit your total mileage to five. Also, eat Camus style today. Hey, Camus laughs. Good advice. I'll be getting your equipment ready. Do you need any help with anything? Camus asks. No, thanks. How about you? No, I think we're all set. We'll see you later. Tilly and Camus walk away from Graham. Till I met a cute boy at my continental breakfast while trying to eat enough fried hash browns and greasy sausage to cure my hangover. Mind if I hang out with him for a bit today? I mind the eating of animals, Tilly jokes. But of course not. I'm sick of you anyway. Camus hugs Tilly. Go have fun. Just don't forget to hang the do not disturb sign, sexy. Camus rushes off and Tilly walks back down the street to fulfill her assignment to explore without covering too many miles. Burr, what are you doing here? I told my parents that I wanted to watch your race and they said okay. 
That's so great, Tilly exclaims as she hugs him. Burr beams. Did you see P before you left? Yep. How was he? Tilly asks, concern. He seemed fine. Ike was playing with him plenty, but I don't think Suerte liked the situation very much. Oh, darn. I was worried about that. I hope they're okay. Yeah, they're good. Now he's even better. Burr's mom walks up with Pedro on a leash, bounding in excitement. Pee! Pedro jumps up and Tilly hugs and kisses him. Burr looks pleased to have helped the reunion. Tilly hugs Burr's mom tightly in greeting. I wasn't sure how I was going to do this race without him. Tilly adds sweetly, and you too, of course, Burr. Hey, I get the afternoon off. I'd like to take P out for a bit. I'll bring him back to you this evening so I can sleep without dog breath before the race. Is that okay? Yeah, Burr answers, disappointed he didn't get to hang out too. Hey, let's go out on the lake when P and I get back. Burr brightens. P, let's hike. Chapter 33 1929 Canadian Pacific Railway Antique Map of Banff National Park and the Canadian Rockies, including glaciers, waterfalls, and tea houses. Looks like we're not going over our five-mile limit. Whew, that's good, Tilly says jokingly to Pedro as she reads the sign at the trailhead, 2.2 miles to the tea house. The trail to Lake Agnes Tea House rivals the trails in Sandglass and Beauty, except for the steady stream of hikers. Hikers of all shapes, sizes, and physical abilities make their way along the narrow winding trail. Tilly quickly catches her beloved Pedro up on things. I missed you swimming with me across Kootenai Lake. You would have loved it. They hike and scamper up the trail together. Tilly's quick conversation is interspersed with the gobbling of snacks and the wagging of Pedro's tail. I really wonder if I'll know how to conserve my energy in this race, P. Camus told me she was missing you even though she would never tell you herself. Did Ike take good care of you? I bet you like the swimming and the rock and roll music. I can tell Graham misses Liz because I catch him looking at his phone and he never did that back home. I've never seen so many fancy watches, furry designer mucklucks, personal electronics, or jumbo cross-country rigs. I just don't understand why people need so much stuff, P. Tilly and Pedro hike and talk and talk and hike and snack and hike and talk and snack. They see remnants of winter snow as they climb the mountain. Did you know that 150 glaciers disappeared in the Canadian Rockies between 1920 and 1985? Pedro stops, sits, and looks at Tilly. She stops too, her hands on her hips. It's true. And then another 150 glaciers disappeared between 1985 and 2005. That's 150 in 65 years and 150 in just 20 years. She sips from her water bottle and gives him a drink in his travel bowl. She pulls a vintage Banff National Park trail map out of her pack, opens it, and points. Pato Glacier is just 56 miles from here, and it's lost over 70% of its mass. They don't think it will even be around 30 years from now. Where did all that ice go? Into those ice-melting, gas-guzzling hummers, if you ask me. Pedro barks in agreement. Tilly realizes her voice must seem loud to passers-by. She leans down to hug Pedro and whispers in his ear. Listen to me. I was swearing like a sailor and talking just as much as Camus, too. Sorry, buddy. I'm just really nervous about the race, and I've missed you. They walk around the next bend in the trail. Look, there it is. 
Tilly and Pedro walk happily into the Agnes Lake tea house and find a seat at one of the few unoccupied tables. This is so beautiful. Pedro sits at Tilly's feet as she sips her tea and closes her eyes. A breeze blows down from the castle-like dog-toothed sawback rockies and ripples across the smooth turquoise lake. Tilly gives Pedro a piece of her scone. Chapter 34 Female Chocolate Labrador Mutt Shelter Mix with Swimming Jeans and Fetching Skills Tilly's cycling shoes, gloves, and helmet rest on top of a small towel on the ground as Graham checks her bike nearby in the swim-to-cycling transition area. He looks up and sees Tilly in her warm-up clothes. Camus arrives and moves the gloves and helmet a minuscule amount. She's used to it like this, Camus says with an authoritative tone. That's good, thanks. I'm running to check out the start. Get her ready, Camus says as she rushes away. Camus will be at the first transition area, and the second, and the finish. Tilly stretches, distracted. Yes, I know. I'll be communicating with her. Tilly finally listens to Graham's words and stops her stretching. You're not going to be here? No. What? Tilly is shocked. It's okay. Tilly paces nervously. Further down the lakeshore, Pedro paces with Burr holding his leash. Okay? How could it be okay? After all this, you're leaving me now? Tilly paces. Graham holds her arm in an attempt to stop the pacing. Can I tell you something? Will you listen to me? Look at me, please. Graham says firmly but gently. Tilly stops and looks at Graham. When I first saw you swimming with P, I said to myself, Wow, that girl has power. I was gruff because you were a mirror of myself at your age. Strong, honest, fearless. It was the very first time I could truly see myself as I was back then. Graham pauses. Tilly looks at the ground. You don't need me, Tilly. You could have gotten to this Ironman without me. You're a fine athlete, and to know this race and to know yourself, you need to make it your own. They notice a small group of people have gathered around them and are trying to listen in. A dog barks and Tilly turns to look. She turns back to Graham. Graham continues, And you have some people to show that they don't need to buy more stuff when their garage is already full of junk. You know, this planet just may have a chance thanks to you. Okay, Tilly answers very softly, a tear in her eye. I've arranged for Burr's parents to drive you and Camus home. I'll be staying in close touch with Cam. Get your wetsuit on. They'll be calling you in ten. Tilly suddenly stands tall and strong. She faces Graham, holds both his arms, and looks him in the eyes. Tell me everything now. Okay. Graham turns away from the crowd so they can't hear. Do not let up, not for one moment in your swimming. That's your sport, and you need that lead. I'm nervous about the crowds in the water. We've talked about this. I'm nervous. Think about P. He has a focus on his target always. He's a water dog. His ancestors in Portugal swam with fishing boats to untangle nets under the water in rough seas. He wouldn't like the big waves or another boat nearby or the confusion of nets, but he would have his goal in mind and he would swim on to reach it. Swim on. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Swim on, Graham smiles. Tilly is still very serious. What else? Cycling. I want you to hold back. Hold back? Yes, but it's your decision. You're the boss now. Why hold back? You'll have done well in the swim and that will surprise people. 
your competitors. It will cause them to rev up their cycling. They'll need to catch up. But why shouldn't I stay ahead if I can? You can, certainly, but as we've talked about, there's getting ahead and there's winning. You might consider holding back. They'll think that the swim was possibly all you had. They might go extra hard to catch up with you in the cycling and get a lead. But if you're behind, they'll dial it back too. I see. Tilly, we've talked through all these strategies before. You don't have to worry. I want you to know that I love to swim and run. And thanks to you, fly. Tilly holds her arms out to the side like wings. I hadn't even cycled in over 15 years until I met you. I think you're right. I don't know if I'll ever do a triathlon again. Will you think less of me if that's so? Of course not, silly. Graham chuckles warmly. If I had a daughter, I would wish she were like you. A loud horn blows, then an announcement crackles over a loudspeaker with a timer countdown and instructions for the first seed. Camus runs up to them. Christ, Graham, what the hell? She doesn't even have her wetsuit on. Tilly hugs Graham, then Camus. Camus is focused on the race and not accepting of the hug. Camus puts a changing tent around Tilly for her to change into her suit and wetsuit and gives her some energy bites. Graham smiles at Camus taking charge and walks away into the crowd. Get your cap on, Camus orders. Tilly puts on her swim cap. Sista, you go show these goddamn oversized Amazons what a northern Idaho woman of Native American color swims like. If I win, will you please stop swearing? No. I didn't think so. The announcer's voice comes over the loudspeaker. Go, run. This is your heat. Tilly runs towards the lake. Chapter 35. Antique motorcycle goggles with big, light cups, green lenses, and leather strap. A crowd of triathletes in wetsuits wait on the edge of Two Jack Lake. They jump up and down, alternately reaching for their toes in the sky, twirl their arms in airplane circles, and talk to fellow athletes as they wait for the race to start. Tilly is in the middle of the herd. She looks nervous as she grabs her locket and looks up to the cliffs of Mount Rundle, which frame the calm lake and stretch high into the sky. The race begins, and Tilly runs with a group into the water until it is deep enough and then dives in. The once still water turns into churning, bubbling, splashing waves as the swimmers exert their power to gain position. Tilly maintains a steady pace near the rear of the first heat of swimmers. She stops for a moment, feeling a little disoriented, sees Camus on the shore and puts her head down to swim on resolutely. To focus, she rests her mind on Pedro, his webbed paws, his swimming heritage, as her sleek, strong muscles power through the water. Tilly feels the currents and waves of other athletes and tries to keep close to them and on course. She swims ahead of a group of swimmers and follows behind the next pack. The hour passes quickly as the swimmers round the last buoy for the final leg of the race. Tilly has reached the tail of the lead group of swimmers, all men. Since the pack is now spread out, she can't easily sense its direction. She looks up to make sure she hasn't swerved off course finds the finish point on the horizon, and puts her head back down to swim hard. Her breath is steady and rhythmic, with the strong pull of her strokes and kicks driving her forward as she passes a swimmer, then another, then another. A female swimmer is covering some good ground. She's passing a lot of female swimmers, a male commentator says into a microphone. Don't you mean male swimmers? You're right, they are male swimmers. 
Graham turns the van wipers on about an hour outside of Banff. Tilly swims to the middle of the lead pack of triathletes. A race referee on the beach looks at his iPad screen. Can you see that number? Who is that? Number 57, Camus overhears and calls out. Tilly de Montan. Damn, that girl can swim. She's finishing after only 20 men. It's usually about 30 or 35. The crowd cheers as Tilly exits the water well ahead of the next female swimmer. She races to the transition area, pulls off the wetsuit to reveal her OMY triathlon kit underneath, then puts on her shoes, gloves, and helmet. She lifts her bike off the rack and runs fast through the transition area, jumping on her bike still in the lead. Graham drives through the pounding rain. He sees Camus calling and picks up his phone. How's she doing? She won the swim, Camus answers. Of course she did. I'm in the shuttle to the transition. I never asked, why are you headed back? I didn't want to worry Tilly, but Ike called me. He and the boys think the hill's going down today. Holy shit. It's pouring here and it's worse in sandglass. Hey, nice work, coach. Thanks, be careful. Camus continues her ride on the shuttle bus to get to the cycle-to-run transition area. She watches the race on her phone. Damn, so much for holding back, she says out loud to herself. A group of cyclists rides tightly packed to the front of the race, leaving the required distance to avoid being penalized for drafting. Tilly rides in fifth place. She looks powerful, bent over her bike, legs spinning, her voice softly humming a Native American song like a mantra. Over the miles that follow, through the wet air, the tune melds into the same melody that Frida sings in the rain just outside her house looking up at the sky. At the logging site, rain falls heavily. Water rushes on the ground, moving leaves, stone, and muddy earth. Trees fall, and a large tractor left on the site begins to slide very slowly in the muddy soil. Animals on the mountain, including birds, chipmunks, frogs, moose, elk, and bear, move to higher ground and call out desperately to their forest families. Graham calls Ike as he drives over the long bridge into Sandglass. Ike is just getting off of a vintage three-wheeler and climbing onto his mountain bike. He wears a sailor-style raincoat and rain hat with old-school round-rimmed motorcycle goggles, now known as steampunk, from burners and sci-fi literature. Ike opens his flip phone. The hill's going down. How do you know? We can see mud and trees moving down already. We have to get those houses below Syringa evacuated. I've called the boys. We're racing there right now. Can you call the mayor? We'll need help getting people out. You got it. How's our girl? Not listening to a damn thing I told her. I collapse. Over. To be continued. Podcast music is Dalai Lama Riding a Bike by Javier Peque Rodriguez. A link to his music on Spotify and Bandcamp are in the show notes. Support messages of peace in the planet by joining my Patreon for as little as a cup of coffee per month at patreon.com. Just search Avis Kalfsbeck or Pedro the Water Dog to find me. Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet books 1 through 5 are available at all your favorite online bookstores or at avaskalfspec.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thank you again. Listen for the peace. Peace.